Well, you'll soon be able to find this because it's the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and it's chapter 5. You're going to be rather surprised, I think, if you've never read it, that there are quite a number of men, very old men. There are ancestors. They can trace their ancestry back to Adam. And the other surprising thing is that though they were very old, several hundred years, most of them managed to produce children. And at the end, I'm going to mention the oldest man in the Bible and his age, though some of you, probably through Sunday school, etc., will know. So here we go. Chapter 5. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the fathers of Enosh. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years. And then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived 969 years. And then he died. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading comes from, he comes from Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 to 7. This can be found on page 1,209 of your Bibles and on the screens in front of you. That's Hebrew, chapter 11, verses 1 to 7. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him 
must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became, and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, everybody. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, as we meditate together on your word, we pray that you'll touch our hearts by the power of your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may wonder why I've chosen Genesis chapter 5, or part of it. You might be thinking at the moment, this guy must be a crank. But in fact, it is in fact one of the most important chapters in the Bible. And I want to make it absolutely clear to you all today that what it is actually saying is it's making clear that there are only two ways. You either merely live or you walk with God. It's as simple as that. So the chapter Genesis, chapter 5, is a very important chapter because it brings all this into stark relief. Our hero is Enoch. I don't think I've ever come across a church called St. Enoch's. The only thing I ever knew was the old railway station in Glasgow. And I remember we used to go up in the 1950s to Glasgow St. Enoch. And I can't think of anything other than a railway station that has remembered him. But he is, in fact, one of the greatest in the whole Bible. But before we look at him, I want you to note the context in which we find Enoch. Very helpful to look at the chapter, if you want to, in chapter 5 of Genesis. Since the sin of Adam, a rain of death has come down like fog and darkness over the whole world. As you all know, Adam and Eve fell in Genesis chapter 3. And the full force of the fall is witnessed in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain's murder of Abel. By the end of chapter 4, monogamy has given way to polygamy and serial killing. By chapter 5, death reigns. So there is, in fact, a clear sequence which you need to note. First, there is disobedience and a turning away from God. Then this leads, secondly, to sin in one form or another. And finally, sin leads to a reign of death, which is what chapter 5 actually is all about. Now, after this clear statement, the reign of death is portrayed throughout the whole chapter of Genesis 5. There is birth, followed by a certain length of life, prior to the birth of the next head of the family or tribe, the length of life that that person lived, a record, in fact, of other sons and daughters, and then death. That's all it is. And the same sequence will be the experience of men and women today. Because, you see, we actually live in Genesis 5. The vast majority of our countrymen 
live. There's a small percentage, I don't know what sort of minority, who walk with God. And they are the only two categories that count. And that was the mold into which they all conformed until Enoch broke the spell. It was a mold of death where God is just simply left out of people's lives. That's all it is. And that'll be true of us, all of us, in every generation, unless we take steps to bring God back into our lives, either by seeking him or responding to his call. Most of our countrymen have chosen to live their lives independently of God, just as all these other characters did. Perhaps they didn't even make a choice. They may not have bothered to look for any particular alternative. So they miss the point of life. And all the people you're rubbing shoulders with when you go to work every day, the vast majority of them, are missing the point. I'm often reminded of Evan Lendl, who old fogies like me will remember all those years ago when he was a famous tennis player. <clears throat> and he won every tennis tournament except Wimbledon. And the commentator made a crucial summing up. He said, he missed the one that really matters. He missed the one that really matters. And that's the point today. People miss the one who really matters. They miss Jesus. Now, if you look at chapter 5, just look at it. You see Adam missed it in verse 3. Seth missed it. Enosh missed it. Kenan missed it. Mahalel missed it. So did Jared. So did Methuselah and Lamech. But not our hero. That great hero of faith. The one, everybody, who broke the mold of death. And he is a kind of forerunner of Jesus Christ who broke the mold. Jesus broke the mold. That's what he did when he died and rose again for us as we think about it and thought about it last weekend. He broke the mold. It's a mold that has to be broken. You know, one of the most important things we're called to do as Christians is to break the mold. The mold of unbelief and godlessness which is ravaging the land. Enoch broke the mold. And he demonstrates the difference between merely living or even existing on the one hand and walking with God on the other. I wonder if you realize that in our role of honor in the book of Hebrews, only Abraham and Moses get a longer write-up than Enoch. Did you know that? Enoch is third on the list. Yet he only has a couple of sentences in the whole of the Bible. Isn't that incredibly encouraging for all us ordinary Christians? 
Enoch should be our hero. He's a wonderful character. As somebody wrote, Enoch is a single brilliant star above the earthly record of this chapter. He's a wonderful encouragement and example. That's Enoch. Enoch walked with God and that made the difference. That's what defined him. Everybody, what defines you? Do you eat too much? Oh, here the people say, well, his problem is he eats too much. Or is it drinking too much? His problem is drinking too much. What defines you? Or is it your business you go to? Or your housewife? Or What is it defines you? What should define you? Enoch walked with God. Shouldn't that be our definition as Christians? You see, he brings a breath of fresh air. It's interesting, it all became when he, happened when he became the father of Methuselah, who we all know is the longest serving or living person in the Bible. It says, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God and repeated it, see? Then he was no more because God took him away. Like Eve, Enoch must have been affected by the birth of a child, which many people are. Something happened, and by faith, he walked with God. By walking with God, he broke the rhythm of death. You notice that in that chapter? If it wasn't for Enoch, that chapter would be horrifying awful, godless. But Enoch changes the whole picture because he broke the mold, you see. That's what makes the difference. He broke the mold into which all of us will otherwise be squeezed. You will be squeezed as sure as the night follows the day. I often think us Anglican clergymen, are, if we're not very careful, are, we kind of come into a mold. We're not very careful. I fought it all my ministry. I don't like it. What an amazing person he was to break the mold. You see, you can live a perfectly respectable life and ignore God at the same time. But when you ignore God, you will drift, as Cain did, and you can drift into all kinds of situations. One of the horrors that we're seeing today is young people at school slowly drifting into the mold because they haven't heard the good news of Jesus Christ. This should drive us to our knees in deep concern for the younger generation. We should be on our knees, we should be praying we should be weeping what's happening to the young people of this nation. We should be on our knees, brothers and sisters, for our lost nation. We live in a society that simply drifts. And Hebrews starkly warned about drifting, didn't it? 
in Hebrews chapter 2, he says, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its punishment, how shall we escape if we reject? No. If we neglect so great salvation. The writer to the Hebrews understood that what the great problem, human problem, is neglect and drift. Neglect and drift. Wrong priorities. That's the great human weakness. Drift is one of the most serious aspects of being sinners. Men and women rarely elect to go to hell. They drift there. They drift. I can tell you in my pastoral ministry, everybody, I don't remember hardly anybody suddenly making a decision, I'm not going to church anymore. In fact, I tell you this, as a pastor of many years, church going is the last bit that goes. What begins to happen is like an oak tree. We begin to lose our way as we drift, and the heart of the oak begins to go, and all that's left is the, just the basic bark. And then, in the end, like in the 1980s, when sport came in on Sunday mornings, it was the last. It just happened. They drifted. There was a massive drift in the 1980s. Sport opened up on Sunday mornings. And there was a, they didn't make a decision. They drifted. Everybody drifts. They don't make a decision. They drift. Like when we were in South Africa, a great friend of mine, we went out to the Drakensberg Mountains. And we went on one of these great rapids that just goes. And you, all you have to do is get in on it and let it take you. And it just takes you all here, there, and everywhere. But of course, there comes a point one time when you have to think, I've got to stop and turn around and walk back. That's no joke. But that's what people are doing. They are drifting. We live in a nation which fundamentally drifts. But what I like about Enoch, and uh, you can identify with him so well because he wasn't a clergyman. He wasn't a leader in the local church. He was a man who simply walked with God. He should be the layman's hero. He was different among his generation because, you see, he broke the hopeless cycle of unbelief. Life for him was walking with God. That's what defined him. It was the single most important part of his life. Indeed, it was the hinge on which his life depended. It defined his life. And you've got to ask yourself the question, as I have to as well, what defines us? If somebody wants to sum us up, what, how will they define us? By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So everybody, I ask you a simple question. Is your life defined by your faith? Is that what defines it? There's some lovely verses of scripture in the, in the Psalms. Psalm 49, 15. God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Lovely, assuring word for those who put God first in their lives, who walk with him. And another one in Psalm 73, 24. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into glory. That is the promise for those who walk with God. And as you know and remember, like Elijah, he was taken up by a whirlwind and escaped the jaws of death, lucky chap. He pleased God because he walked by faith with God. And he's a hero because he had faith, quiet, simple trust in God. That's what defined him. So I close with three, exam three thoughts. First of all, Enoch is an example of faith. And I remind you again of, as we thought just uh, 10 days ago of Jesus dying on the cross and that interesting conversation that took place one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him aren't you the Christ save yourself and us interesting what he said isn't it aren't you the Christ save yourself and us there was no repentance with him all he wanted was to save his skin and get out of there. But this triggered the other criminal. Sometimes it takes a trigger, everybody. It was with Joseph of Arimathea when he'd been a quiet Christian. And then the moment came. He went to Pilate for the body. Changed him completely. Sometimes something. Sometimes we need to pray something like that. that something will happen in our lives which triggers something. That was the trigger for the other one. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. Interesting what he said, isn't it? Don't you fear God? We're under the same, we're deserving what we're getting. We're punished justly. But this man, one of the first things that happen when you're convicted of sin is you realize God is totally innocent. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. Somehow he got it out in all that agony when you come into your kingdom and Jesus turned to him and he said, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. What a lovely word. And he must have borne it differently from that point. Or you think of the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. After the jail doors had been thrown open, following the singing of Paul and Silas, he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Sir, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Here are examples of faith, people being transformed, triggers happening to cause something to happen in somebody's life. And we need to pray for triggers that can 
relaunch our own Christian faith, if you like. Strengthen it, empower it. Enoch is an example of faith. Secondly, Enoch demonstrates a clear priority to establish a relationship with God through Jesus and then to walk with him. There's a lovely proverb in Proverbs 8, verse 34, verse, I should say. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life. Notice that. It's a walk. It's a walk with God. Blessed is the man listening, ears cocked, watching daily at the doors, waiting at my doorway. Because whoever finds me finds life. I urge you constantly to have a cocked ear. One, one ear up there and one ear holding, listening to the world. I think that was a wonderful example of Ananias when uh, Jesus went to him after Saul had seen the vision and said, Ananias, yes, Lord. Like that. Yes, Lord. Already. Are you and I like that? Yes, Lord. Or are we half asleep all the time spiritually? Enoch is an example of faith. Enoch demonstrates a priority, walking with God. And thirdly, Enoch left a lasting legacy. Now, I love this. You see, I've absolutely no doubt that Enoch had a powerful effect on his great-grandson, who everybody knows about, Noah. Because when you read about Noah in Genesis 6, you read, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. And as he was growing up, old Noah, well, young chap probably, he said, my great-grandfather, what a great man he was. Oh, he walked with God. Do you know that Noah saved the world? It's made very clear. God had planned to wipe us all off the face of the earth. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness had become and that every inclination of his thoughts, of his heart, were only evil all the time. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, for I am grieved that I have made them. But, one of the great buts of the Bible. But is a wonderful word. Have you noticed that when you read it? Ephesians is full of buts. Buts. But God. He said, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Save the whole of mankind. You see, people who walk with God have a very key role to play. And people who fail to walk with God have left the world in the same state as when they arrived. What a legacy Enoch left behind. You see, he really was a nobody, yet he left a lasting legacy. If it hadn't been for Enoch, it may be that Noah would never have thought to walk with God himself. Ah, so it's very important what kind of legacy we leave.
What legacy will you leave behind? Well, what I hope and pray here is that everybody in this church will learn to break the mold where you live. That mold of godlessness and unbelief and drift could be broken because you walk with God. What will your legacy be? Will you determine this Easter time to walk with God? I pray everybody here will do just that. Amen.